happy, happy Nancy, the Viva Happy Nancy, over here, over there, over here, over there. Show me what, show me where, show me what, show me where. Sunshine, sunshine, yellow, sunshine, ocean, ocean, lazy, Hello, this is a special extra bit of Lots of Familiar Chat with Melanie Williams, because, Melanie, when we talk about your choices, you mentioned two programmes that have already been done, but I was interested in your take on them. So, first up, we've got, which was covered in the edition with Johnny Morris, the Andrew Sachs sitcom, Dead Earnest, which between us, we knew existed, and we can remember barely anything about, so... Can you shed any more light on that? As I've said before, I've watched a lot of TV as a child, and this one really stayed in my mind because it was so awful. Now, you know, I'm used to watching rubbish on TV, but this one was, it almost became like a sort of family event, really. It was so terrible. <laughs> I remember the opening episode where I think there was a, quite a bit of expectation because it was, was it Andrew Sachs's like first thing that he did after. Faulty Towers, so you know, kind of thinking, oh well, this this will be good. And he wins the pools, doesn't he? And then a champagne cork hits him between the eyes, and then it kills him. And then he goes to heaven. So his name is Ernest. He's dead. Hence the title, Dead Ernest. I, the thing I remember really clearly is that he gets met by the angel who gives him boots for chasing rainbows. In I mean, this was like the level of the comedy. <laughs> Not even a joke you know it's just absolute crap and everybody was like sort of acting in the style of rent-a-ghost so just sort of shouting <laughs> declaiming oh, I would consider like, that an insult to rent-a-ghost you know the, the worst end of rent-a-ghost because they know it's they know it's shit and they're trying to overcompensate and they've no idea what to do beyond that point of him going to heaven and it being a bit of a mistake, you know, which is obviously a premise that's been used in lots of films, lots of televisions, worked really well. So it's not devoid of, of interest. The thing I remember, apart from how crap it was, is the Bristol Evening Post, which is, you know, not a you know, journal given to exaggeration. The TV reviewer in it concluded that the review of the new sitcom by saying, dead earnest, dead awful. And this was... <laughs> tended not to slag anything off they were they were you know just generally cheerleaders for whatever was on but for some reason this had really wrangled the the bristol evening post tv reviewer and yeah so we, we referred to it as, as dead awful beyond that point and <laughs> and watched it for the next couple of episodes just marveling at how how awful it was and i think it was like my first experience really of that kind of so bad it's good thing mm. where you're watching something and you know it's awful but actually the pleasure is in watching it with other people who also know that it's <laughs> awful and it's not working yeah we we were we were laughing at it we weren't laughing with it at all and then i think it might did it get pulled like halfway did it even, even get to the end of the series i'm not 100 sure because People care so little about it, it's impossible to say that for certain. Probably some ITV region shoved it into late night. They just thought, we're losing too much appetizing revenue, get rid of this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's my main memory was it was really hyped and people were really excited. And I remember my family watching the first one and just kind of everyone being like... <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's just, just devoid of jokes. <laughs> I, I don't did it have... Did it have a laughter track? Probably did, didn't it? I just, I just remember it being very empty and hollow. 
It was not bad, but imagine the furore if Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand phoned Andrew Saxon just said, you were in dead earnest and put the phone down. Yeah, I mean, the humiliation of being, you know, in dead earnest should should have been enough. I think the reviewer in the Bristol Evening Post, very astute reviewer, said, you know, it's set up this premise, but then it's gone nowhere with it. So the idea of someone being killed at the point they've won the pools by a champagne cork and then they can't enjoy their good fortune. That's like, yeah, okay, that's that's good. But then they forgot to like write any jokes or <laughs> anything else. So I suppose heaven is a place where nothing ever happens and Dead Earnest was like the sitcom equivalent of that. It's only a place where no jokes happen. Okay, well the other one that you mentioned, which was covered in the edition with Will McLean, was Once Upon a Time Man. Now, given your academic background, I'm wondering if your reaction will have been the same as everyone else. Were you terrified of it? Puzzled! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing that I, I remember very distinctly about him is the fact that the title sequence kind of compresses the entirety of animal and human evolution into one sequence ending with the destruction of the planet as <laughs> a kind of rocket disappears off with like the, the remnants of humanity in it uh, and prior to that we see all these kind of different civilizations in formation the rise and fall of the roman empire egyptians mayans blah, 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 french revolution all soundtracked by bark which was a kind of interesting early exposure to kind of classical music and i remember being really impressed and moved by this kind of quite terrifying music which of course gets used as like a in horror films you know because it's got that (laughs) terrifying edge to it being used to accompany the kind of rise and fall of human civilization presided over by barnaby bear yes (laughs) (laughs) beginnings you're like okay fine yeah this is a good (laughs) show yeah yeah good and and then you have the end of the world and that's fine you know this is this is for kids so it's kind of educative puzzling impressive and very french (laughs) with retrospect i can sort of see it as a yeah i think the prominence given to the the french revolution within the entire history of humanity was was kind of an indication of its national provenance it's nice to see things from different cultures um you know and i i used to enjoy things like well not enjoy but sort of tolerate all the eastern european animations of various kinds and strange dubbed dramas from from different countries and animations like mr rossi which was like this like little italian guy with a dachund and and had a really kind of funky sort of samba theme tune so you're kind of used to watching all this different random stuff but yeah once upon a time that was that was quite the more extreme end of it and and i think the the outro would play the bark again and then have sort of human figures floating in space holding each other's hands kind of like flying i've forgotten that that was the final image it would leave you with which i suppose is an image of hope i'd rather they hadn't like preempted the apocalypse well that brings me round to my sort of major observation about all of these important things in retrospect which was you mentioned the mr rossi theme which is a really melancholic samba like you say which incidentally blur on their very first tours used to come on stage to 
how they changed. Yeah, yeah. I, I distinctly yeah. remember thinking, what, Mr. Rossi? They played Da Capo by Love while the audience were coming in. And then the Mr. Rossi theme, what a very different band they became. But the thing was, <laughs> that was a really existential, melancholy, depressing song. There's that astonishing bit in it where that bloke starts sort of scat yodeling, if you're happiness, if you're happiness, if you're, where, where, it's sort of shouting about where is happiness in a kids program and all the eastern european and indeed western european animations mm-hmm. drama series or whatever had these very downbeat title sequences the counters yeah. of that being the japanese ones always ended on a really positive image like battle of the planets you had the fiery phoenix just going off to wallop spectra you had starfleet i mean this is still an image that just burnt into my subconscious every day just started with Diax, the big red robot assembled like flexing its fists you know as mm-hmm. if saying, come and get me alien raiders from just past gemini <laughs> and you know ulysses 31 similarly positive image you know they were all waking up they were going towards the future which i'm saying there's bits of that in thor ragnarok and endgame with thor yes, on the guardian nice. spaceship somebody has seen ulysses 31 but why were the japanese being so positive and not everyone else no, I, I'm thinking about, you know, what they leave you with. I think some of these more like plangent, mysterious, like, oh, that's the end of the world. But at least we're holding hands in space. Or, or <laughs> this, this German dubbed drama, Tim Tyler, the boy who lost his laugh. Yes, which yeah, was, again, covered on here previously. <laughs> about him sort of trying to recover his sense of humour while buddying up with a, with a nun called Agatha. And, yes, Sister um, Agatha, yes. <laughs> I don't know if he ever recovered his laugh, but it was it was rather sort of melancholy and and contemplative and and sad and but it's, it's good. I think it's like inoculation, isn't it? You get a bit of that, and then you're you're better place to to cope with the mind crushing terror of adult existence <laughs> because you've already Barnaby's already like shown the way. <laughs> Well, that makes me ask, are you going to end this on a plunge note or a positive note? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Say something nice about Barnaby. About Barnaby? Oh, <laughs> bless him. Oh, he's a, he was a sweet little bear, wasn't he, really? Yeah, who could, who could dislike Barnaby? And there you have it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Melanie. See you all soon.